You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled My Day. Hello, my radio friends. I'm so glad you've joined me for another Give Me the Bible program today. You may have heard or possibly even used the expression yourself back in my day and then went on to describe something that you experienced years ago. But what is actually meant by the expression my day? The expression my day refers to an indefinite period of time when we were young, probably somewhere between the late teens and getting close to 30. Of course, there are days that refer to definite times, like 21st birthday anniversary and a wedding day anniversary, although they are not necessarily included in the my day expression. If people have their day, the question must be asked, does God have a day? If that question is answered in the affirmative, a second question has to be asked. It is, is God's day a 24-hour day, or is it some other period of time? Second Peter 3.8 has this to say, With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. Now, this does not mean that God's day is a thousand years long. No, the verse means that God is not restricted by time as God is above time. But even so, God has his day. At the creation of the world, God set up markers in time. The day was a 24-hour period beginning at the setting of the sun on one day and ending at sunset the following day. In our modern society, the day has an artificial beginning and ending being at midnight. Without a clock, it's impossible to know when the old day ends and the new day begins. It was God who established the day and the week, the week being a period of seven days. At creation, God set in place various things. You can read what he did in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. At the end of the sixth day, God was finished his creative work, but then he did a strange thing. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, the Bible explains, and this is what it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Was God worn out from his creative work? Well, I can't imagine that, because God is omnipotent, 
That is, he's all-powerful. As well as that, he's infinite, which means he has no limits. So then, why did God rest? The logical answer is that he set aside that day so that human beings should be aware that he was and is the creator. So you see, the day that God set aside and he, the creator, are inseparable. Now before getting into the heart of this subject, we need to be aware of who actually created the world. Three passages in the New Testament provide clear statements as to whom the Creator was. John, that's the Gospel of John, chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And as you read on, the word, the expression the word, is identified as Jesus Christ. Secondly, there is this statement in Colossians 1.1, where the context is about Jesus Christ. The statement says, For by him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. And then a third statement from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says this, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's. So the Creator was none other than Jesus Christ. So therefore, when this world was created, it was Jesus who set aside the seventh day of the week as a day of rest, his rest. He rested and he blessed and sanctified that 24-hour period of time and he named it the Sabbath, meaning rest. Now, let's go across to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and verses 8 and 9 and 10. God is speaking, and he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Did you notice something? Here, God calls the seventh day his day. The phrase is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. That expression does not apply with any of the other days. Those days were normal, nothing special, but the seventh day he calls his day. That being the case, God has a day. In Exodus chapter 16 is recorded what happened when the Israelites were travelling through the desert on their way to Canaan, to the region we now know as Israel, Jordan and Lebanon. They ran out of food in the desert, so God provided a miracle food for them. It was called manna, 
and it was a whitish, flaky substance found on the ground in the morning. It must have been wholesome because the people lived on it for about 40 years. Their leader, Moses, was instructed to tell the people to gather it each day of the week, collecting double on Friday, as there would be none on Saturday. Here is part of what Moses instructed the people. You can read it for yourself in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 25. It says this, Eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. The Sabbath was called the day of the Lord, but now in this case, the day was called to the Lord. Of course, some of the people back then didn't take notice of what they'd been told and went out on Saturday morning to collect some manna, but they didn't find any. It wasn't provided. God severely reprimanded them by saying, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days. On the seventh day of the week, the sun rises as normal and sets as normal. The weather might be fine or inclement. There's nothing physical to distinguish the Sabbath from any other day. But it is the day chosen by God for rest. He set the example. He blessed that 24-hour period of time and he commanded that his people should rest too, so their minds would have a break from the everyday duties and distractions. God gave us time to remember who he is and what he has done. In Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 13, God gave instructions about how the Sabbath should be kept. He said, if you turn your foot from trampling on the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honourable, and shall honour him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, and the verse goes on, but I'm going to stop here. But I want to point out a couple of things. Twice in this verse, God claims ownership of the Sabbath. Firstly, he names the Sabbath my holy day. And in the second instance, he calls it the holy day of the Lord. Now, I realize that, the, that worldwide, there are millions of people who have lived under the impression that the Sabbath has been changed from the seventh day of the week to the first. In other words, from Saturday to Sunday. Yes, it has been changed. But the change is man-made. God never, ever even hinted that there should be any changed change. And many sincere Christians 
have their day of worship on Sunday not realising that they're breaking God's command to worship on what we now call Saturday. The proper Sabbath is to be kept in a particular way. Normal work and other such activities are not to be done. It is a day to remember who our God is and what he has done for us. Therefore, watching TV all day, going to the movies, engaging in sports, sleeping, fishing, doing the gardening, shopping or doing odd jobs around the house are not acceptable. God set aside this time not for our own convenience, but as a time to focus on him. In the Gospel of Mark is recorded a powerful statement made by Jesus. He said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. That's from Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. That was particularly relevant to the time when he addressed the people back then because the Jews had made up so many rules about keeping the Sabbath that instead of being a blessing, the day was turned into a burden. The rules about keeping the Sabbath had obscured the purpose for which it had been given. The Sabbath had been given for a double purpose, that is, for the physical and the spiritual restoration of the people. The Sabbath was not given for our convenience, but for our benefit. If you go to church on Sunday, who cares if you go to a sporting match, go water skiing, go to work, clean the gutters, wash the car or read a novel? Sunday has not been blessed and hallowed by God. Sunday has not been set aside for a special purpose. Therefore, nobody needs to feel guilty about doing their own pleasure on that day. But I especially want you to notice that in Isaiah chapter 58, the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, was called My Holy Day and the Holy Day of the Lord. Sunday does not have a royal title. In Matthew 12, verse 8, is a statement also found in Mark 2.28. Jesus announced, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I'm acutely aware that there are many Christian believers, both Protestant and Catholic, who have tried to legitimise Sunday keeping. One of the common ideas is that they regard Sunday as the Lord's Day because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. Consequently, they maintain it is right to set aside this day for worship. Now, I'm going to go on with this straight afterwards, but we're going to have a little break. Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing 
Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God My Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises I cannot fall Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of Christ my Savior Standing Standing I'm standing on the promises of God Just before the break I was talking to you about Sunday being called the Lord's Day because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And so there are many people who then think that the Lord's Day is Sunday. Yes, it was the day the Lord rose from the dead, but it has never been called anywhere in the Bible the Lord's Day. I've just shown you from the Bible in several places that God claims only Saturday, the seventh day of the week, as his day. There is nowhere, yes, I mean nowhere, in the Bible to say that Sunday is identified as the Lord's day. The idea that Sunday is the Lord's day is a deception. It's an invention to try to whitewash disobedience. Because Jesus created the world, and because he also made the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week has to be the Lord's day. Yes, I know that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. That was a wonderful event, and is important it's important to any believer, as is the crucifixion, where Jesus submitted his life for lost sinners. But the resurrection of Christ did not change what he himself had set in place at the beginning. Jesus did tell the disciples and the listening audiences about future events. He spoke about the end of the world, the destruction of Jerusalem, about signs and wonders, and about deceptions that his people would have to face in the future. Did he somehow forget to tell about the change that the Sabbath would be moved from the seventh day of the week to the first? Here's a very simple answer to that question. Jesus did not forget. Jesus did not regard such an issue as unimportant that he couldn't be bothered to say something about it. In other words, 
Was it such an insignificant thing that he forgot or didn't even think to mention it? No. Jesus never spoke of any change simply because there was to be no change. I think I've heard just about all the arguments that people use to justify Sunday worship. But you know what? All those arguments are hopelessly weak. No one has been able to come up with a clear statement from the Bible to support their arguments. And because of that, one must regard their arguments simply as conjecture. In First Samuel is the record of what happened when the first king of Israel was sent with his army to utterly destroy the Amalekites. The Israelites won the battle and captured the Amalekite king Agag. However, they did not completely adhere to the instructions the Lord had given to utterly destroy the Amalekites. The Israelites took the Amalekite livestock and precious items like jewellery back with them to their homeland. The Lord was angry about this and sent his prophet Samuel with a stern message to King Saul. Saul replied that the people, including himself, had good intentions. They intended to sacrifice some of the livestock to the Lord. Then Samuel delivered a message that made Saul's ears ring and his knees tremble. And it's from 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. Here's what God said. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he, that's God, also has rejected you from being king. You see, good intentions are not good enough. Rejecting God's explicit instructions is as bad as worshipping idols, according to that verse. What God requires is obedience. That's what pleases him. Now, I'm fairly certain that some of you might be tempted to think, but that was way back then. Things are different now. We live in a different age. Let me ask you a question. Has God changed? Well, here's what Hebrews 13.8 says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God has not changed his attitude toward good intentions versus obedience, it's the same now as it was back in the time of Saul. Because of his known disobedience, King Saul was rejected by God. 
The same applies to us now in the 21st century. God requires our obedience. We obey because that shows that we love him and respect him. Putting in place another day and worshipping on that day is disobedience. It's also disobedience to reject the day that God has put in place as the special day of worship. When someone says to themselves, I know I should be worshipping on the seventh day of the week, but God knows I love him and he will accept me. You know what? That's presumption. It's also putting oneself above God. It's like saying, I know better than you do, God. My friends, if you are genuine about serving the Lord, you ought to be worshipping and honouring God by keeping his commandments, all of them, not just the ones you find convenient. The fourth commandment stands in the middle of the ten. You can't miss it, yet so many people ignore it. At the day of judgment, I wonder what the Lord will say to those who have put aside his day and ignore his will. I suspect there will be many who have rejected God's clear, unambiguous command, who will be surprised that, like King Saul of old, that they will be rejected. The Bible says to obey is better than to sacrifice. So what is your decision? To sacrifice or to obey? To conform to popular practice or to conform to God's will? It's time for us to stop. I sincerely hope you will give intelligent thought to what I've presented today and I hope you will commit yourself to going all the way in obeying God and not fooling yourself that partial obedience is enough. So until next time then, I wish you peace and joy in your obedience and service and the peace that the Lord will give you as you become a true follower of his.